from the Subaru of Gwinnett Studio, this is Injury Insider with Derek Hayes. Injured in Georgia? Make the right call to the law office of Derek M. Hayes at 404-777-HURT. Injury Insider is presented by Status Home Design, your one-stop shop for all your home and gift needs. Hello and welcome to Injury Insider with Derek Hayes on Business Radio X. We are broadcasting live from the Subaru of Gwinnett Studio in the Sinesta Gwinnett Place Atlanta Hotel. This show will answer legal questions and debunk personal injury myths with insight and humor. For nearly 25 years, Derek Hayes has represented injured parties in Georgia. Now he'd like to put that knowledge to work for you. I'm your host, Lita Brooks, and it's my pleasure to introduce the star of the show, Derek Hayes. Good afternoon. Good to be here hello, again. Hello, hello. Before we begin, a quick reminder that Injury Insider is brought to you by Status Home Design, your one-stop shop for all your home and gift needs and by the law office of Derek M. Hayes. Injured in Georgia, make the right call to the law office of Derek M. Hayes at 404-777-HURT. All right, we're going to jump right in today. But before we get to the topic of the day, we did receive a tremendous amount of feedback from the last show. You may recall in that show, and if you don't recall and you need to go back and listen to it, it was, it was an extremely informative show. But we talked about the initial lawsuit filed by an elderly couple against a cruise ship company after an outbreak of coronavirus. That case is likely the first of many legal issues related to this pandemic. It was also interesting to hear the facts related to that case and why the cruise ship should have done more. You're doing great, but I want to jump in at this moment if I can, because I do want to talk about those facts uh, just to reiterate what happened. Um, in that case, there was a couple, an elderly couple. He was um, in his 70s. I think she may have been as well, but they were on a Princess Cruise Line. Uh, they boarded ship to go to Hawaii. They came back after a week and were uh, instructed, the cruise ship was instructed to set anchor off the coast of California. Um, and as a result, I think they spent a little over two weeks uh, there quarantined, again, off the coast on the cruise ship. The biggest issue in this case is, is what we call knowledge. Uh, ultimately, the cruise line was aware of the fact that on the prior cruise, there were members of the cruise uh, staff that did test positive for the coronavirus, as well as passengers. And so when they disembarked there in California to board for the next week of cruise, they did not inform those passengers that were boarding the ship. Uh, ultimately, had they informed those passengers, oh, by the way, we've had people that tested positive, they would have had the choice to say, well, you know, I'd rather not go, or, well, that's fine, I'm still going to go anyway. And this couple did board ship. They, again, were not informed of the prior cruise and what happened. And as a result, they uh, were exposed, and that's the word to use, to the coronavirus. And they also, too, were um, trapped, again, being quarantined on the ship for an additional two weeks plus after they would have uh, disembarked there in California. So that's the what separates that from some other potential claims and why they were able to file a lawsuit there. So potentially, because there was proof of knowledge, everyone on that cruise ship could potentially have a, a case. Absolutely. Absolutely. If you have the knowledge, you have a duty to inform of any potential hazard. 
you have to provide a safe environment. But if you are aware of some defect or in this case, uh, the potential exposure, you have the responsibility to inform anyone and let them make the decision. Do I want to go through with this or not? In fact, uh, in the facts that I've read about that case, apparently it was simply a questionnaire that that people boarding the ship had to, to respond to. And I think it was something as simple as do you have a fever? Have you had any sore throat symptoms? And if they checked no or, or answered no, then they boarded ship. But they weren't told, well, there's a reason why we're asking these questions. And oh, by the way, we did have passengers that tested positive and crew, cruise staff members that also tested positive. Wow. To me, it would be the mental stress even of having to sit on that ship for two weeks knowing that it was on the ship. That. That would be extremely scary. And so what is that called? There's a, there there's is, a term there, right, for the right. emotional stress of this. Correct. There is this called torts. We talked about torts last week. A tort is a tort, T-O-R-T, is a harm done against someone where there is a uh, no criminal aspect to it, but the ability to be compensated for what's happened to you. Like, for example, a car wreck, a dog bite, a slip and fall, those kind of things. But there's also a tort known as negligent infliction of emotional distress. There's also one known as intentional infliction of emotional distress. So with that being said, there is some level of emotional distress, even if you don't contract the, the coronavirus, just knowing that you have been exposed to it. And as someone who's elderly, who apparently seems to more, be more susceptible to uh, the worst effects and even potentially death from that virus, there is going to be some emotional distress associated with the fact that we could catch it and we could have avoided this had they simply let us know before we boarded the ship. Wow. All right. We did have one question submitted that uh, to your website that I want to have you answer today, and that is related to people being exposed to the virus. So Mike from Georgia, he wrote in, if someone goes to a local restaurant for dinner and found out a couple days later that an employee there tested positive for coronavirus, would the restaurant be responsible for paying any medical bills if they have to get treatment? I appreciate that question, and we'll definitely talk a little bit more about submitting questions in a second. But to address that directly, it goes back to what I just said. It's a tort. A tort, you have to have four elements. Number one, a duty. Number two, a breach of that duty. Number three, something called causation. And then finally, number four is damages. So let's kind of break those down. Again, the duty is to provide a safe environment. So as a restaurant, it's their responsibility to provide a safe environment to patrons that come in for dinner. Secondly, if you are aware of something and you don't uh, hazard a defect, a problem, uh, like for example, let's say it's a seafood restaurant and there's some sort of uh, uh, awful outbreak of uh, some disease or some bacteria, whatever it may be with certain kinds of seafood, oysters, we see that frequently. I'm from Florida and they decide to leave oysters on the menu, uh, but yet there's a need to inform someone who's ordering say an oyster, uh, raw oyster platter, something like that, then they can say, oh, by the way, there's been a, an, unfortunately an outbreak of a bacteria related to serving these. So we caution you to, to, um, to order these. Well, they have the choice to do that or just simply take it off the menu until that passes, until they're cleared again. But going back to the specific question, if the restaurant knew, and that's the key, that knowledge element, that this employee had tested positive and allowed the employee to continue to work there, without uh, making them go home and self-quarantine like we're told to do. And um, let's say, for example, the, the employee found out, but yet they kept the restaurant open, knowing full well the employee had already worked three or four shifts since they started sh showing symptoms. Um, at that point, they have a duty to inform. Uh, they have knowledge. They have the requisite duty to inform patrons that 
we've had an employee that's tested positive. If you want to continue to eat here, that's fine. But if they know about it and say absolutely nothing to you and you wind up proving that, and this is another key element, that exposure was directly from that person at that restaurant or from being in that restaurant, then there could potentially be a claim there. You've got the duty, the breach of the duty by knowing about the employee and not informing or not sanitizing the restaurant, being closed for a few days to, to make sure you've cleaned everything. The causation, you've got to show specifically that that was where you contracted the coronavirus and then ultimately damages. That element would be filled with your medical bills, your pain and suffering, if there's a lost wage for having to be out of work, those kind of things. Um, so again, the key is you've got to show knowledge. I'm going to keep using that word, knowledge. They either knew or should have known that someone had contracted it, uh, continued to work there, and, and as a result, exposed others. And without knowledge, they're not at fault. Absolutely. So that's, that Absolutely. is the key, right? Yeah, I've told my kids for many years, I can't fix what I don't know sure. about. Sure, and that's a, that's a great statement <laughs> that we probably all said to our Absolutely. kids. Absolutely. So when a kid comes in with a problem, Dad, this happened, that happened, well, if you'd told me about it, I could have taken care of it. Yep. All right. Thank you, Mike. I hope you're listening. Mike from Georgia, who submitted that question. And so now, Derek, let's talk about how anyone listening, if they have a general legal question and they would like for it to be addressed on the show, how do they reach you? How do they submit these questions? I appreciate that. And yes, I want to stress that general legal question. As an attorney, I can't give specific legal advice to a situation regarding a case you currently have pending or uh, potentially something that, that is uh, specific to you that requires a more detailed response. Uh, I'm happy to talk to you about that. And you can definitely call my office. And any phone consultation is always free. I know I've mentioned that before. So if there's a question about a specific legal issue, then by all means, feel free to call me directly. But for general questions, you can go to my website. It's uh, Derek, D-E-R-E-K, the letter M, as in Matthew, Hayes, H-A-Y-S dot com. So again, that's Derek M. Hayes dot com. When you go to the website, you'll see a contact us tab. Click that, and then you can submit the question uh, there through that. I'm also going to see about putting a new tab there where it's directly linked to the podcast. Uh, so you can go to the contact us and click podcast and submit the question there that we're looking to put that on the website now because we've had thankfully such a tremendous response and I enjoy all those questions. In fact, uh, as a result of this, I've, I've talked to a few people that have asked me specific legal questions and even signed up a couple of clients that had concerns based on, on one of the prior shows and, and some things we discussed that uh, they had not reached out to an attorney before. So it prompted them to call. Well, that's fantastic. And you have a great phone number for a lawyer. All right. So Absolutely. let's throw that in. You're asking, telling people that they can call you with their advice and, and their specific questions. So go ahead and tell them your, uh, your fabulous the attorney phone number. number. The memorable phone number is 404-777-HURT. H-U-R-T. Uh, the other number you can call me at is 678-225-0970. So either one of those you can get to me and I'll be happy to call you. If I'm not available, call you back. Or if I'm there I'll, I'll, and have the chance, I'll speak to you directly. All right. Let's dive into the topic of today's show. Many things have had to change right now because of this coronavirus outbreak. They're calling it a pandemic. Um, there's not a person in the entire world that's not feeling this right now in some way, shape, or form. Everything from our daily routine to how often we are willing or able to even walk out the front door. I want us to focus today on how this may change what you do as an attorney, what you're going to do, Derek, and offer tips to anyone injured in a car wreck or any other kind of accident right now. Things are still 
You know, there are less cars on the road, but there are still cars on the road. Accidents happen every day. So we're all focused on the news, but that doesn't mean that people are going to stop getting hurt. So Absolutely. Talk Absolutely. to us. What What's, you know, with, with everything shutting down, guide us through this. Sure. Well, let's say you're in a car wreck. And as she said, that there are less cars on the road right now, but it doesn't mean people in Georgia have suddenly figured out how to drive without avoiding each other. And it's just part of the hazards of getting behind the wheel or, or sitting in a passenger seat. But having said that, if you do have an issue, the the first and, and really the, the initial contact, as always, is a phone conference. I mentioned that before. Call my office. Uh, again, I'm happy to talk to you. The first consultation is always free. If I do take on the claim, then we'll talk about uh, contingency fee agreement, as I've mentioned in a prior, uh, prior podcast, uh, where I don't get paid unless I get recovery for you. Um, so there's no risk involved in reaching out to me. You can also email me. Uh, my email address is Derek at DerekMHayes.com. Uh, you can fax me. You can send me a letter. But but ultimately, the phone conference is always the best initial route to contact me and discuss it. If necessary, we can do video conferencing. Uh, we're at a point now where we're being told to eliminate face-to-face -face meetings. So with that being said, I've had a couple of video conferences already uh, to discuss issues with a case uh, for clients. Uh, I'm able to fax paperwork. I'm able to email paperwork to sign someone up. Uh, there are also e-signatures now, which are terrific to, again, um, utilize the technology we have to uh, avoid the face-to-face -face contact. We talk about social, what is it, social spacing? Social distancing. Social distancing, right, right. And that's a way to... Uh, again, continue to work as your attorney without having to worry about the risk of exposing you or, or anyone else. Let's talk about injuries. I've been in a car accident. I've got, whether it's a severe injury, you would go to the hospital right away. But let's say, and I know this term, soft, soft tissue injury. I'm sore the next day. Um, but at the same time, the hospitals are inundated with corona and I'm really too scared. I'm too concerned. So is this, if I don't go get treated, does this affect my case? Walk me through that. I started hearing these questions at the office a little over a week ago, probably a week and a half ago. Uh, so it's a very common question and, and exactly a point that, that I want to make sure we cover today. First, let me start with this. I always tell clients, an attorney is here to practice law. A doctor is here to practice medicine. So anything I say, it's not an attorney trying to give medical advice, just like I don't want a doctor trying to give legal advice. But what I would say, though, is, again, if you're hurting, common sense says get treatment. you got to do something to address that. There are facilities, many of them have emailed all the attorneys that do what I do to, to give us their limited hours. Uh, they've cut back on the number of uh, patients they're willing to see or uh, potentially even their staff, but they do have availability for treatments. They are still open, uh, whether it be a physical therapy facility, a chiropractic clinic, an MD, a general practitioner. There are all kinds of facilities that are open, and we can help you find those because, again, they've reached out to us to tell us which ones are still open and the hours of availability. Uh, and I, let, I always tell clients, too, let them decide what needs to be done to treat you. Uh, as someone who's been injured, you know your body better than anybody else. You know how you're hurting, when you're hurting, and what's hurting. The doctor is the one that's qualified to treat whatever that issue may be. So let them decide what needs to be done to treat. And yes, there are options to get that done. They can discuss it an alternative treatment plan, uh, whether it's home therapies or additional things that could be done, uh, kind of like we mentioned before, by video conference. There are also alternative ways of getting treatment. Again, I defer that question specific uh, specific answers to your doctor and again we can help and and communicating with you and the facility 
to at least go ahead and get somewhere close to you, uh, wherever you may live, to get that treatment started. Now, you just mentioned that a lot of facilities, doctor's offices, because you work so closely with them that they've reached out to discuss their hours of operation. In what you're hearing, if I'm injured, will that limit my ability to be treated? Yes, potentially. Uh, in the sense that there are some doctors with certain specialties that may be needed to uh, dive away from their own private practice to help out. You know, we're hearing about a shortage of hospital beds. We're hearing about a shortage of ICU units, a shortage of ventilators and those kind of things. Well, ultimately, we could also be facing a shortage of doctors. I, I don't know, you know. Obviously, I can't predict the future, but we don't know what's going to be happening in the next few weeks. Uh, there are some horror stories coming out of the other countries, and if that's the case, then it may limit the ability for a doctor to continue his own practice and potentially even, um, again, treat patients from car wrecks or any other kind of personal injury. So as I mentioned before, there are modified ways they can treat. And I will, again, facilitate the contact between uh, someone who contacts me about a car wreck and injuries. I'll help facilitate that communication between them and their doctor, but I leave that up to them and their doctor. Home therapies, they call them modalities of, of treatment and what can be done. Uh, but you know, someone who's severely injured, again, I, I'm not here to give medical advice, but the common sense answer is, you know, hospital, emergency room, ambulance to the scene of a wreck, they're not going to stop doing that because emergency care is still going to be emergency care. But it's that follow-up care after you've been released from the hospital or after you've uh, um, you know, initially been treated by, um, again, an emergency room or whatever it may be based on how severe your injuries are. So are there any tips about how I can document my injuries? I, I, let's just say I really am too scared or I have a serious injury and I've been released and I don't want to go back. Documenting injuries is whether it's this time of the year with the uh, pandemic and the fears of coronavirus or, you know, six months ago, uh, documenting your injuries is extremely important to your claim. Um, on a side note, you know, if we filed suit on a car wreck today, it could be two years before we go to trial in most counties. Some counties take even longer. And if you've got a broken arm right now, it's uh, you know something that's visible, it's obvious, whether it's casted or surgery that's done and, and incisions and stitches and those kind of things. Well, two years from now, you're going to walk in a courtroom without a cast on your arm. You're going to walk in without potentially... Uh, you know, uh, even a scar in some cases. But taking photographs is extremely important. A cell phone is a wonderful tool, an absolutely wonderful tool, because most everybody has their cell phone with them when they're driving down the road. Now, you're not supposed to be on it, and I encourage you to not do that. But if you are in a car wreck, after the car wrecks occurred, if you're physically able to, take pictures of the car. Not only your car, but the car that hit you. Take pictures of the scene what the uh, the intersection looked like or potentially what the weather was like all that can be documented from those photographs likewise your injuries uh, if there's an open wound and, and unfortunately i see a lot of bad injury photos but it's important uh, also too i encourage people to date stamp some cell phones i think the new ones allow you to put a date stamp on a photo when you take it but if you can't you can get a piece of paper and a sharpie and write the days uh, whatever day it may be uh, march what are we, the 16th uh, today? 17th? Today's St. Patrick's Day. That's right. It's the 17th. 17th. Yes. You could put March 17, 2020 on there. And having said that, it would show in the photograph the day that that photograph was taken. And, and later on, again, two years from now, you can remember that. You talked about photographs. How do you feel about videos? Videos are also good. Yes. Um, 
uh, we'll talk more about that potentially in a later podcast, but uh, a day in the life video is an effective tool for an attorney at trial when someone is uh, very severely injured in a car wreck. They have to have help getting in and out of a bed, getting in and out of a shower, bathtub, whatever it may be. A day in the life video, again, it's a little bit deeper for litigation purposes, but a video can show the severity of an injury just like a, a photograph can. And one other point, too, and I want to mention this, is an injury diary. Um, you know, not a technical term, but just what we call it. Uh, notepad and pen. If you wake up in the morning and your right side elbows hurting, then write down uh, one out of 10. My pain level in my elbow was a nine on the morning of whatever. And through the day, your neck hurts, your back hurts, whatever it may be. You know, sometimes people can't tell you what they ate for lunch two days ago. Uh, so later on, a month from now, two months from now, if I ask you what your pain was like on a certain day, and what effects it had on you, you can go back to that injury diary and say, well, as a matter of fact, I wrote that down. It's a great way of being able to remember what you went through as you recovered from your injuries. I think that would be a tremendous tool for you oh, it as works. their attorney. Just it's all right there. It, it's absolutely effective. Right. Exactly. All right. I'm going to give you a hypothetical. We're going back to the fear, which right now with the coronavirus, it's really under the surface with every American and, and truly every person in the world right now. So unfortunately, the fear is there, but I'm just too scared to go to my doctor's appointments. There's too many people there being tested. The doctors and the nurses potentially have all been exposed, but I have been injured in a car wreck. How is that going to affect my case? How is that going to affect my claim? How is that going to affect the insurance company? I truly have a medical need, but I just can't walk into a doctor's office right now? Good question. And I always say first, talk to the doctor. I'll start with that. Talk to the doctor, discuss your concerns, discuss your fears. They're the medical practitioners. They have the requisite knowledge to advise you appropriately based on what's going on. And then, of course, hopefully to eliminate some of those fears. But from a legal standpoint, let's talk about an issue that can come up. It's called gaps in treatment. Gaps in treatment can be defined many different ways, but a gap in treatment is when treatment effectively starts following a car wreck, for example, and you go for a period of a few weeks, uh, even a few days without actively treating for your injuries, and then maybe two weeks later you go back to the doctor. Well, there's a tremendous amount of time that's passed from when you saw the doctor before and you were actively treating and then you went back. It, it creates a, a problem as an attorney to be able to fill in the void for that two-week window. The reality is daily life causes injuries all the time. You could be carrying garbage to and from the street. You could be carrying groceries to and from the car. You can trip and fall downstairs and cause an injury that later on, uh, you, you may go back to your doctor that you've treated with for the car wreck, not tell them about what happened, but they continue to treat you as if it's for the car wreck. And an insurance company or a jury potentially can view that as a time frame where something else could have occurred. Uh, where, again, a, a normal daily activity caused an injury and, and, and not connect the dots between the car wreck and the need for that treatment that starts back up after a, a long gap or a time frame without active care. So uh, to continue active care eliminates the problem of a gap. So that's why I encourage you to talk to your doctor about what can be done. Keep your doctor's office informed. If you're not going to make an appointment, let them know. Doctors don't follow up to say, well, we saw you missed an appointment. We need to know why. They're going to simply write your no-show. 
the patient didn't show up. The patient didn't call. But if you call and say, well, doctor, I'm kind of fearful of what's going on right now. Can I uh, do something at home in lieu of coming into your office today? Well, then in the notes they can say, we spoke to the patient and discussed other options for treatment uh, to help with their fears or concerns about being exposed to the coronavirus. And then it's documented and hopefully the patient is getting some sort of relief. Sure, absolutely. all under their doctor's care. And that I would think from the legal standpoint, not the medical standpoint, that keeps everything moving. Correct, correct. And it helps me as your attorney to directly connect the continued care with the active, uh, the event, whether again, it was a car wreck or some other kind of personal injury case. I know that many counties in Georgia have closed their courts down for now. Will that mean that my case will be on hold? Another good question. Uh, yes, most counties, um, well, I say most, at least Metro Atlanta have now gone ahead and, and closed their courts. In fact, the Supreme Court sent down a mandate uh, for court systems about uh, deadlines and tolling statutes and several things that, uh, um, you know, again, are details that we may discuss later on in other shows. Um, but most cases, car wrecks, for example, don't go into litigation. But if a case is in litigation, there are going to be some delays, unfortunately. Uh, this is just something we can't control. And it is, an, uh, um, uh, you know, I, I don't want to relate it back to 9-11, but there were all kinds of delays even that occurred at that point. It's, it's something our country is not familiar with and we're having to address now. The Supreme Court just came out with a mandate. Can you explain that to us? Yeah, the, the, the mandate is, I kind of referenced it very briefly, is, is uh, deadlines, uh, some statute issues, things that are, as attorneys, extremely important. You can't miss deadlines. You can't miss uh, uh, dates for things to be filed or hearings or trials, those kind of things. Uh, but a lot of those are being postponed, and, and uh, basically the Supreme Court's given relief. Uh, jury trials uh, in many state or many counties, rather, in this state are now being canceled. Um, I say canceled. It doesn't mean they're going to be eliminated completely, but delayed, mm -hmm. postponed. Uh, some cases that were already actively involved were able to continue and finish up, but they're not starting new jury trials. Uh, certain kinds of cases, criminal courts and uh, courts of equity and child issues are, are still being heard. But uh, things like personal injury claims are, are in many cases or many uh, counties, rather, completely stop for now how are you and the law office of Derek M Hayes how are you dealing with this I want to stress that we're keeping clients a priority uh, it can be tougher to be able to do that because we're not as uh, available for face-to-face -face appointments and those things that we normally would do but we want to make sure we stress that we are keeping our clients and any new clients a priority in the firm uh, we're allowing uh, some of the staff to work remotely from home, which is great. Uh, you know, with kids now out of school and their parents that work for me that, that can now be home and take care of their kids and also continue to work. Uh, courts do, uh, for the most part, have e-filing, uh, even though there's the Supreme Court mandate delaying things. We doesn't mean we aren't still filing certain documents. We can do that now with e-filing, uh, emails, faxes, document scans. The post office is still working. So we are modifying the way that we work because we have to, um, but we are dealing with this and we'll continue to make clients a priority. And I also want to make sure I, I stress this. I am scheduling lots of phone conferences. Um, you know, if a client has several questions, I encourage them to get a notepad and pen and write down at least three or four questions and then call me. And I will sit down and, and tell them, you know, pull out that notepad and pen. And as I answer these, please make some notes. Um, because clients will call and have one question, and that's fine, but I like to be able to address everything at one time. So 
we don't shy away from that client communication. It's extremely important to make sure the client's informed. So understand that we're having to modify what we do, but we will continue to work very diligently and aggressively uh, through this. I know some insurance companies now are also relying on adjusters to work remotely. Defense law firms, I got a, uh, an attorney that I spoke with yesterday on a case that uh, his defense firm, uh, I think they've called it non-essential staff uh, are working from home, but a limited number of paralegals and, and the attorneys are there in the office. And he even said, too, they're, they're thinking about having to cut back on that because of some of the the concerns. And, and now uh, I know some states have have uh, enforced that certain kinds of businesses cannot go into work. They're, they're having to work remotely. I know we discussed the phone number. We did the website earlier in the podcast. But let's wrap it up and tell everyone one more time, how can they reach you? How can they call? How can they submit their questions? Absolutely. The uh, the, the first thing to do is the website. It's DerekMHayes.com. Again, it's D-E-R-E-K. The letter M is in Matthew. Hayes is H-A-Y-S dot com. You can go there, read about me, my firm, and, and some uh, information is already there on the website. But also, too, you can reach out to me and contact me either via email or call me. Uh, the number is 404-777-HURT or 678-225-0970. We also have a social media presence on Facebook. It's Law Office of Derek M. Hayes. Uh, Instagram, the Law Office of Derek M. Hayes, and also Twitter. So any of those ways are absolutely effective in reaching out to me in my office. Uh, call me. I'd be happy to talk to you. Again, the initial consultation is always free. Lots and lots of questions are coming forward now because of what we're going through. Thank you so much for joining us on Injury Insider with Derek Hayes, presented by Status Home Design and the Law Office of Derek M. Hayes. Don't forget that you can enjoy any of our episodes anytime by visiting businessradiox.com, selecting the Gwinnett Studio, and then clicking on Injury Insider with Derek Hayes. This program is also available on your favorite podcast app. Until next time, for Derek Hayes, I'm Lita Brooks, and you've been listening to Injury Insider on Business Radio X.